All right, we are back with another episode of The Nitty Gritty. We are excited because we were able to sit down with the world famous, literally world famous, Richie Norton. So he's done so much stuff, I have to actually read his bio. So Richie, just a couple of things that he's done. So he's actually an award-winning, best-selling author of a book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid. Side note, I just finished it a couple days ago. It was very coincidental. I didn't even know Richie was coming on until the night before he came on. So I'd been reading his book and it is fantastic. Check it out, The Power of Starting Something Stupid. He also wrote a book, Resumes Are Dead and What to Do About It. Uh, Richie was named one of the top 100 business coaches by the OG of business coaches, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He's an international speaker, everything from TEDx to Google startups, serial entrepreneur. He's got a, another company called Product that he's actually helped some of our guests because he basically helps them go from kind of idea to market with full service global sourcing, end-to-end supply chain. And one of the most fun things he's doing right now is he just launched his own podcast called The Richie Norton Show. And he basically shares stories and strategies for successful entrepreneurs, lifestyle, and happiness. He interviews high-profile business and self-improvement leaders. Um, it's awesome. He It's a different type of format. He calls it a trilogy. We'll talk about it on the episode. But there are so many other things. I mean, Richie's been featured in everything from Forbes, Business Week, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, Inc. I mean, everything. Um, he's been the recipient of tons of awards. So he is awesome. And it was so much fun having him in here with us. His brain works differently. And that's a good thing. So you'll tell that as we ask questions and just you hear how he processes things and kind of the intention behind what he's done his whole life. His story is crazy. The type of grief and sorrow that he's had from death of his brand new baby to brother-in-laws to car accidents. His wife had a stroke. I mean, there is so much to him and we didn't get to talk about all of it, but we do the best that we can on kind of getting into the nitty gritty of who he is and what he's teaching. And there is so much to take from this episode. So make sure you have almost have a pen and a paper ready because it's going to be awesome. So I hope you enjoy it. Now, getting to a fun part, we talked about last week with Betsy and Angie, we were going to do a little giveaway on anyone who left us a review. First of all, thank you to everyone. We got more ratings and reviews than we ever have before. And if I was a crier, I probably would have cried reading all the different episodes. I'm sorry, not episodes, the reviews. They were fantastic. But we now have our winners. And what's funny is not funny, annoying is more probably the better word. There's really no way for us to contact you. Like we can't respond to a review. And so if we read your review, we're going to post it on our on our uh, Instagram page at Nitty Gritty Show. So respond to us via Instagram if you see your review. If you don't, if you're not on Instagram, that's fine. If you hear it, because we don't even know what name it is. We just have like your handle or whatever name you put as the review giver. So you can go to our website, nittygrittyshow.com, and there's a contact us tab. You can just leave us a little message with your email and we'll reach out to you because we're giving away a $50 gift card to Bam Bams for first place. And then we're doing two other $25 gift cards for the next two. And honestly, it was near impossible like we were trying to find a way to like do participation trophies and give it to everyone, but we figured we'll pick a top three. We have a lot of other stuff in the works for reviews and giveaways, and you know we'll find a way to get it back to you, but we're so grateful for the reviews. But with that said, let's start with our $25 winners. Okay, the first one, and all I know is this was left by, I'm going to call it Hans, H-A-N-S, and then a stack of cash. So Hans Money, what whoever you are, and your title was, I recommend this podcast to everyone. You said, 
I started listening to just a few people they had on who I was intrigued by. Now I've almost caught up all the way up on all the releases. Thank you so much. I really, really... Oh, hold on. I'm but, I'm butchering it. It says, really, really great guest so far. I've learned something from every single one. Very fulfilling. There is no fluff. I feel like the stories are so genuine and the questions are very well thought out. I really enjoy listening while I drive to work. It always ends on a positive note and very inspiring to not even anyone looking to start a business, but just in general, just trying to become a better human being. And really, that's the whole goal, right? Of we hope everyone wants to do better and do something. Um, so Hans, your review kept going. We're so thankful for your review. Hit us up on Instagram or go to our website and let us know who you are because we don't know you. But you just won 25 bucks to Bam Bams. All right, next person. Next $25 winner, L.M. Peterson. Your review is Harmony Over Balance. So this one says, loved the episode with the Betty's owners. It's inspiring, encouraging, and down to earth while you hear them struggle to succeeding. The nitty gritty show left an impression on me about mom guilt, changing the word from balance to harmony. More than anything, be giving. It always comes back around. There's plenty for everyone. Thanks for the listen. So LM Peterson, so grateful for your review. I love it because you hit on a couple things selfishly that are, you know, I always talk about on the balance to harmony and then giving you, you hit on the go giver. So love that it's having that type of an impression on you. But reach out to us, Instagram, website, L.M. Peterson. You were the $25 winner. Now, who was our top place? Stay lit. Cosmo BYU. This is our winner of our $50 Bam Bam's barbecue gift card. And this review was awesome. It says, nitty gritty. You are the peanut butter to my jelly, the Thelma to my Luis, and the Zig to my Zag. Why, thank you. You came into my life when I needed to mix things up. Yes, crime and my old school jams are awesome, but I needed to hear true stories, be motivated by real people, and get to know those I look up to. I've even listened to the sports episodes that I then tried impressing my husband with the newly gained knowledge. I hope that worked. We got some more coming for you to help. Then it goes on, my point, thanks for the entertainment, knowledge, and all-around uplifting information. You make your guests feel at home, and I love when I'm, hold on, and I love when I almost feel like I'm in the room. And then she goes on to say, want to have a Super Bowl party together? No? Too soon? Let's do it. Super Bowl 2021. We're partying in at your house, Cosmo BYU. And then she says, but as my 13-year-old would say, stay lit. So Cosmo BYU, hit us up. We don't know who you are. Nittygrittyshow.com or at nittygrittyshow on Instagram. Come claim your prizes. But seriously, thank you to everyone who left a review. It still is surreal to me that people listen. Like it's still crazy that people actually care. Not because it's us, but just because it's something we're doing and we know that you like the guests and we're going to continue to search and find guests that have inspiring and uplifting stories. There really is this never ending supply of fantastic, motivating people. And so we're going to continue to try to do that. And we're going to try to provide a platform to, you know, find out a little bit more about who they are. And we hope you continue to listen. Honestly, the reviews, that's really the only way we know what you guys think. It's We know if you listen, but we don't know who those are. So it's kind of fun to hear what you like about it. And also, it helps us to know what we can do better in the future so we can you know, do more about what you like. So thank you to all who have listened, who continue to listen. We're grateful for the reviews. And man, this was a super long intro, but we had to give our money away. So we hope you take it. If you don't, I guess I'm just going to eat a grip of Bam Bams. So all of that being said, enjoy the episode with Richie, and we will see you on the flip side. Welcome, everybody, this week to the Nitty Gritty. We have the world-famous Richie Norton with us today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
who lives in Hawaii and is vacationing in Park City. Mm-hmm. That's still not adding up to me. <laughs> <laughs> I well, don't understand. Someone who chooses to be in the snow? Okay. Yeah, when they live in like the greatest vacation spot in the world. It's all just water, you know? And That's like... true. <laughs> That's so true. That's true. <laughs> so, That's right. Richie, there's so much fun stuff to talk about today. Um, before we jump in, though, I don't know where where did you grow up? I know a lot about your journey is the last X amount of years, but I don't know much about like where you grew up. I wanted to say something like really weird and far away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool, but Des Moines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I born and raised in San Diego. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay, cool. And now, I mean, if you don't know who Richie is, I don't know how you don't know who Richie is, but everything and we'll do the official kind of intro cool. with it, but speaker, author, consultant coach entrepreneur i mean happy guy i like that yeah i like on the website blog author speaker advisor and then an orange happy guy <laughs> yeah just and he is a happy I'm guy just making it up as like i love you know? it <laughs> um yeah i mean growing up did you did you live an entrepreneur life like were your parents entrepreneurs i mean is that something that's always been inside of you my you know i i as an aside i do, i believe entrepreneurship is a learned skill. Some people might have a tendency to like maybe be more whatever, but like I, I met this one billionaire guy and he said, "Look, if you can buy a hamburger for a dollar and sell it for two, you you know you know what I mean. Like right. it's it's a skill you can learn." But uh, my dad and my grandpa, my they were and my great grandpa, they were all entrepreneurs. So it was always around me. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? The word on my lips wasn't entrepreneur. It was I'm just gonna I don't know start a company like do whatever you know yeah but i remember one time when i was a teenager maybe 16 i told my dad i wanted to get a job and he's like you don't want a job (laughs) wow (laughs) i was like hashtag worst dad ever but (laughs) but there weren't hashtags then you know so i couldn't actually say that (laughs) and it was just a pound sign you know No, but what he was like, he's like, no, you don't want to, you don't want to get a job. He's like, your job is get good grades in school. You're never going to be a kid again. It's like your only chance your whole life. You're going to be working your whole life. And I said, yeah, but I want money, man. Like, what am I, you know, what am I going to do? And this, he was so specific. He said, he said, go to El Centro. El Centro is a big like farming town and ask the watermelon farmers if you can, if you can buy their irregular sized watermelons that they couldn't sell to the stores. What? That's what your dad told you? <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I went there with my brother. We took the family minivan, you know, took out the seats in the back, filled up this van with watermelons. This is around the end of August, early July. So 4th of July is coming up. And it was low riding. Like it was so heavy. This thing was hitting, you know, every bump that we on the road. And then I called like all my friends' parents. I said, I got all these watermelons. They're like, they're weirdly shaped, but they're, they're cheaper than the grocery store and they're, they're just as good. <laughs> they probably felt bad for me, but <laughs> I, we sold all the watermelons on the 4th of July and made more money in one day than we would have made working minimum wage as a kid the entire summer. One day. Talk about a lesson learned. And so it was like... Did your dad just have that like <laughs> loaded up for years? Like as soon as he's my like kid's waiting. old enough, <laughs> he's like waiting, I got the job. Waiting for this moment. <laughs> not avocados, not eggs, um, watermelons. Yeah. Right? I mean, the specific crop even. Like that. that's wild. You know, it, what's weird though, I remember at one point though, even after doing that, I did get a job at like a blimpy, like making sandwiches. It was like part of a gas station, a Chevron. But for me, I, I wanted to learn. Like I was really like, well, even if I do start a company sometime, what is it like working in one? Like I wanted to know everything. And it was just, mm. for me, it was just, it was just kind of fun, you know, like, oh, this is cool. This is how this works, you know? And, you know, you have all these weird life lessons. And I remember one time I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you guys these things, but <laughs> one time I was the only one working in this blimping. There's all these people. So when you're baking bread, like a buzzer will go off, but you can like hit it almost like hitting snooze, but I kept hitting snooze and I burnt like oh. 20 or 40 loaves or something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm so going to get fired. And the guy, the manager later told me, I mean, first of all, if I look back, like I'm by myself, you know what I mean? Like what right. am I supposed to do? Yeah. But aside from that, I, 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 I he said this, said, I'm not going to fire you. I just put like 40 loaves of bread investment in you. Huh. Lesson learned. 
you're never going to do that again, right? So in my head, it's not always about making money, even though the watermelon thing was. It was about, I know I can just turn on the faucet when I want to if I can figure out a way to sell something. And so since that thought's in my my head, and I, I lived in Brazil for a couple of years, I was a missionary there, and I saw a lot of people in poverty in the area I was at. So I thought, how can I help people work their way out of poverty? Um, and it wasn't that they didn't have the talents or the, the will, it was the access to resources and networks. So then I thought, maybe when I retire, when I'm 65, I can go back and help people work their way out of poverty, you know? And then I thought, that's like, if someone has a kid every 20 years, so to speak, right? That's two or three generations. Like, so like if you're 25, we're talking about the current generation, the next generation, and the next generation that would miss out on the opportunity right. to learn and change or whatever, whatever opportunity might crop up. So I said to myself, <laughs> what if I could do what I want to do in retirement right now, but feed my family at the same time? And that's what I got into, social entrepreneurship. I read a book called Banker to the Poor by Muhammad Yunus. It's like a whole microfinance thing. And this led me on this journey of how can I help people make money and feed my family at the same time? So when people ask, like, what do you do? And I, I, can, I can say, like, right now with my sourcing company, we're making 100 different products, like, literally, at the same time, different industries. And they say, how do you do this? And I say, I, I don't think about the product. I think about the process and the people I'm working with. It's the people I'm trying to help. It needs to make money because that's the idea. The product is irrelevant. It's true. It's very <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. So you got home from your mission and did you, I mean, because you have formal education, which is also interesting because most of the kind of social entrepreneurs these days don't have formal education, but you still kind of went, you still did that. Yeah, I got, I went Kind of like Blimpy. There you go. You know, <laughs> it's kind of doing the same thing again. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't made that connection before, but you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I, I thought in my head, I don't want to have anything limit me. So for me, school isn't about making money or getting a job. It's about learning, character development, and making connections. Especially today. Hello. Yeah. Like if you're going to school thinking you're going to get a job, you you joke, you're joking yourself. Yeah. Especially today, 2020, they're not even asking for diplomas or resumes in a lot of these, even the biggest companies. I mean, you wrote the book, they're like, major dead, right? right? Yeah. They're like, you know, and people go, yeah, they do. And you go, yeah. How many resumes did you send out this week? A hundred? How many callbacks did you get? And so at the end of the day, nowadays, resumes tend to be a formality hey, we really want you, but we need this, HR needs this, is that cool? As opposed to, if you're on the, and I have been on the other side of the table, resumes are to filter people out as fast as you can, not to get you in. Yeah. So you have to take the actual opposite approach to get the job you want, which is through projects, value-based things, connections, relationships, referrals, those kind of things, yeah. So what made you continue through education? Because you also got an MBA too. Yeah, so- So not only did you go through the traditional yeah. path you kind of went above and beyond. I did an MBA cause I didn't want even it was for those reasons I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want, there's that term like mono mono kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to be in a situation where someone wouldn't take me seriously if I didn't have it. I didn't want to miss out on I didn't want to have anything preventing me from doing the work I wanted to do. Okay. So unfortunately having that piece of paper is important to the world. And the paper is nothing to me, but it is to them. Yeah. The education's incredibly important to me. The connections that I made, the things I learned, all super valuable. But I was one, I did an executive MBA, which means they bring in their top teachers, ex- extremely expensive. And I'm sitting there with like American Express executives. Well, and it wasn't just like any MBA program. It was like the number one international yeah, MBA yeah, yeah, program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't just it is. anything. Yeah. And, and it, it was, and I was the youngest or maybe the second youngest one in there, they, they almost even didn't let me in too. They're like, aren't you too young? And I was like, all right, is that a legal question to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. You know, but, um, but everyone there was amazing. I loved it all, but I was one of only a handful, maybe two or three entrepreneurs. And that's because I wasn't there for maybe the reasons they were, you know, which is leveling up inside the company and, or, or a huge change of careers, 
for me, it was more, I'm just here to learn, man. And I hope this can help open doors. Yeah. Yeah. Did it? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was incredibly valuable. Now there's the other side of people who are super hard on M- MBAs and like it, it hurts you. It ruins you. It changes the way you think in a negative way and all these things. I think you assign meaning to what you do. You know, you're either, you're either an idiot or you're not. <laughs> The MBA is only going to make you more of an idiot or not. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to expose more of what you are, right? You know, and uh, but there's something to say about going for what you want. It just it frustrates me when people go into school thinking it's going to get them something that it's not. And when the school's selling it as if it's going to get you something that they know, even statistically, that it won't. Yeah. Mm. So you said something and you said it a lot and you've talked about it just recently on your podcast, too where we assign meaning to stuff. Mm, mm. And it's one of my favorite things you talk about. It's something I believe. So I had a coach and she talked about it this way to where we are meaning making machines and an event only has the meaning that we give it. Mm, Yes. And your life is kind of proof of that. I mean, if you look back and we'll kind of touch on a little bit, like anyone who's gone through a tenth of what you've gone through and some of your past experiences could easily assign a different meaning. The world is out to get me. God doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to go through this. Um, and one of those big things was with Gavin, your son, right? Mm-hmm. Which was kind of the, it was, it's really important. It was 10 years last week mm. that, that he passed yes, away. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about like what meaning you assigned, like, like what happened there and like, what did you guys kind of learn from that so um, before my son passed away my, my brother-in-law passed away at 21 in his sleep and that was a huge wake-up call right like like what like you're supposed to like grow up and do things and that wasn't true for him and that helped us learn the thing it's, it's funny because a lot of the lessons we learn are unintentional <laughs> you know and that as they happen you have to decide was this a positive experience for me or a negative experience for me? It's all negative. Just, just let you know, (laughs) but how can I turn it into something positive? Right. So then my son passed away. He caught, he caught whooping cough. He was totally healthy, little baby, you know, just got this cough from somebody and that, you know, it's, it's a, it's your son and you're supposed to be the protector, the one, you know, the provider, the one that doesn't let this happen totally out of our control. And someone asked me, like, what did you learn from your, from your brother-in-law passing away, from your son passing away? And, like, what do you learn? And I remember there was a time where my wife and I were, like, standing over his little, his little bed, and we're just holding hands, and we're, like, we're praying, and we're doing whatever we can. And we just told ourselves, we won't let this destroy our marriage. Because we knew that it could. Yeah. And it does, I think, in a lot of cases, more often than not. And it was because we said, we'll live better. Not that it made it any easier, but that, that thought, because we will try harder be, live, to live better because of our son, at least that's in our mind when things get crazy. At least you're aware of being more intentional with that, right? Yeah. So they took out all the little wires and you know, I, I held him for a second. My wife held him. I put my hand on his, on his heart and we sang him lullabies and just waited for those last beats. And... It's a surreal experience, you know, because you're like, it happened, but did it, it didn't happen. Did it happen? You know what I mean? It's just everything's a blur. And what you don't think about is you have to leave the hospital empty-handed and this sweet, cool nurse, young, probably scared, she came in and said to my wife, can I, can I hold the baby? And which gave us permission to be able to, you know, kind of let go, you know, and, 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 and walk out. But when you let go and you move from one room to another, you're actually holding on tighter, you know, than, than ever uh, to that memory, that loss, that, that baby. But it's, it's kind of a cool metaphor how people can come into our lives sometimes, you know, and if we allow them to help us push, push through that. But even if you don't have that angel of a nurse helping you out with what you got to do next, it really is the thought, what will I do next? And, and I, it's really hard when people say to someone who's gone through grief, Oh, just move on. Cause there's no moving on. Like it, it's like if you're, if your life is a bunch of building blocks, this is one of them and it's probably a major one of them and it's not going away even over time. So in my mind, I say it's not about moving on. It's about moving forward. It's about building on top of that. It's also, uh, it's about letting yourself go through the grief, go through the hardship 
feeling it and it's okay to feel like junk. When you feel good, you also feel guilty for feeling good because something bad just happened. It's okay to feel that too, you know, and not punish yourself. Yeah, It's all these things. So I've learned a lot. And, you know, one of the things I like to share is it's, it's a tunnel, not a cave, right? Like keep walking. If you stop walking, it becomes almost like a self-imposed tunnel. But yeah, so that happened and someone asked me like, what did you learn? And I learned what I call Gavin's law. Uh, Cause both my brother-in-law and my son were named Gavin. And that, that's live to start, start to live. And to me, that means you live to start those ideas that are pressing on your mind. And then you really will start living. Cause even in this room, we all have these ideas, but we're doing nothing about them for one reason or another fear. We don't think we're ready. It's we're procrastinating. We're, we're prideful. We're scared. People will think of us if we do it or if we mess up. So when I, when people say I'm like, I'm, I have no purpose, I have no meaning, I'm walking around like the living dead. I'm like, yeah, but you have ideas. Just act on one of them. And even if it doesn't work out, you'll feel alive. And even if it doesn't work out, it'd be better to know that it doesn't work out now than 40 years of waiting. Yeah, <laughs> right. For sure. And some people ironically are scared to start because they know that if it f- fails, they actually will lose that hope that's keeping them through to the next 40 years. Yeah. It's a hard fall, though, when you're 65 and you had all these dreams right. and all of a sudden none of them are going to be able to work out Yeah, because you don't have the time, the education, the experience, the money that you thought you needed to get there. Better to start right now. And you don't know if you're going to live tomorrow, right? <laughs> so there's that too, you know. <laughs> it's a crazy perspective to kind yeah. of take on life in general. It's a lot to wrap your head around in like one long sentence like I just gave you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's kind of a rep... Re- you're repeat, repeating kind of what you thought of on your mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. why do I have to wait till I'm 65 to help these people? I can just do it right now. That's right. And it seems like some of these experiences, that's it's just kind of reaffirming yeah, that. You're right. Time. You're right. It's a good point. It's the only thing that, now look, I know some people have their time taken from them because they're trapped in some kind of situation. But for the majority of people in the free world, it is the great equalizer. Right. We have all the same number of minutes, hours, and days. So true. Huh. So after after Gavin passed away, you and your family just kind of packed up and moved, right? You just went on a massive trip, just kind of like, like a healing trip is what you called it. Yeah, we did. And we, we do that often. Th- this one, we actually went uh, for, for two months, just kind of camping all up and down uh you know, the States and up into Canada. Um, but the one you're referring to too is like, like later, you know, we had, it's crazy. My, my long story short, we met this nice lady, single mom, we needed help with her kids. And we brought in her kids to our home to babysit and she didn't come back. There's more details, but that's basically what happened. And that was pretty soon after. Yeah. So, so this was, yeah, this is right after. So the timeline goes like this. Uh, I finished. So when Gavin passed away, that's when I decided to go do the MBA thing. Oh, okay. Then after I finished the MBA is when we had the, um, the kids. Okay. So we had a one year old twins and a seven year old, um, so boy, girl twins and a seven year old girl and CPS came to our house to take them. And we said, what are you going to do with them? And they said, well, nobody wants three kids and nobody can take three kids. There's nowhere to put them. We're just going to keep them in our office until we figure it out and split them up. <laughs> we just, my wife and I just looked at each other like, no, we'll, we'll take them. Like, we'll take them. And like, well, you're not foster parents and you can't get paid. And we're like, well, what can you do? And they said, well, since they're already in your care, since she put them in your care, we can call it kinship placement. So all of a sudden overnight, we have three more kids. So we, and this is within, all within a week span or less. So we went from four kids to three kids to six kids. And had them for two years. We were going to adopt them. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. Loved them so much. My wife brought them back to health physically, emotionally, mentally, all the things. And, um, the bio mom ended up getting them back at some point, which was wonderful in some ways and horrifying, obviously, right. In other ways. And that's when we were just like, we're out of here. Like we, we have to huddle up as a family because losing for anyone who's had foster kids, losing them, especially if you were hoping to adopt them in, in, in any situation, whether you're adopting or not, it's, it is like losing a child, but in, in some ways worse because there's a finality to losing a son. Yeah. Th- there's no finality to this. You don't They're know where they are. There. Are they okay? Yeah. Right. It's horrifying. 
on the way to the airport, um, my wife was going to go ahead of us to New York and then we were going to follow her. She's going to go to some conference or something and whatever. She, she stopped being able to like speak like this is in the car, like literally stuttering. She couldn't remember or at least say our names. She had a stroke and we get to the hospital. They're like, yeah, it's like a stroke, but we can't see anything. And like we were there for a couple of days and then they released us and said, you know, good luck. It might happen again. <laughs> <laughs> and I told my wife, I'm like, we're not going anywhere. Like we're going to go just hang out, you know? And she's like, Oh no, if I go home and lay on the bed, I'm never getting back up again. Like, you know, so she was so brave. And I gave her, she, yeah, she was getting on the airplane. I couldn't stop her. <laughs> she, she's getting on an airplane. And she, I gave her this note that says, hey, if I forget my name, <laughs> call this number or whatever. <laughs> and then I realized she would forget to give them the note. You know? <laughs> so bad. So bad. Don't tell her I said that. No. no and then, so so then, then we followed up, met in New York. But yeah, we ended up on the road for six months, um, zigzagging, not, no idea where we were going to stay at night. Just random, just for fun. And what's what's interesting is you think that road trips are fun and they are, but you bring your stuff with you, right? So it was actually an interesting way to like get stuff out, you know, process and like, all the stuff, that but also huddle up and it's like a slinky, right? You're just going in and out and in and out and in and out. Um, but yeah, we did this road trip and it was super super good for our family. And one of the takeaways from that is like people go, well, I can't do that, and I'm like, I know you you, you actually can't <laughs> if if you have a job where they require you to be in a certain location at a certain time every day. And so we had prepared for just life because we, we want our life to be as free as possible, which today meant, can I work from my cell phone? Right. Yeah. Or if I do have a physical location, I do something. Can I have someone else covering that? Like whatever. At the end of the day, now it's work is a choice. And so if you don't like your situation, you in telling whoever's listening is you, you can change it. That's, your choice. Yeah. And people don't think it is, but it is, right? But that was cool. People are like, well, you must have all this money to do it and all this. No, every every dime we spent on the road, we made on the road. Working from my cell phone. Right. So if your cash flow isn't tied to a seat. Yeah, so what kind of stuff were you doing? Like work wise, like you and your wife, what kind of what kind of things were you doing? So um in this in this instance, things like that, that's a great question. Um coaching over the phone, consulting over the phone, online courses, online. My my product company where we develop products for people is, I mean, these things are mostly made in China, so it's not like I'm going to be over there. You know what I mean? So that's all from the phone. Cantaloupes. Like, yeah. <laughs> all the irregular cantaloupes. <laughs> grab some, some yeah. cantaloupes somewhere. <laughs> you know, w- <laughs> workshops here and there. And so people go, oh, does it have to be some personality or some like digital business or some social media thing? No. Just ha- if you if you go to the office and you're working on the internet, you don't have to be in the office. For sure. <laughs> and I think studies are even showing that when you're in the office, you actually get less done because people are Bob's tapping you on the shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you think about it, people that work on the internet nine to five, they're also getting more work done at home after they put the kids to bed. Mm-hmm whether they're getting paid for it or not. Yeah. It's Isn't like it that they're that new, uh, rural program here in Utah. I think Spencer Cox talked about it where they've moved a lot of the call center type jobs for the government mm. to rural households. Uh-huh. Wow. That's really and cool. And they just work out of their house yeah. so they can be in the middle of nowhere where normally you couldn't make any money. But yeah. I mean, it's totally true. They said they're more productive at home than they are no, sitting here. Productivity is increasing when you're like, Oh, you know, alone doing it yourself and go, yeah, what are the kids jumping on you? This and that. Sure. You figure that out. You know, you got nap time. Yeah. And it's not like you're not working from your phone when you go home anyways, say any job that you have. So true. So then people go, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, I I get it. If you're an employee of someone, maybe you can't, but you can always ask, is there a way I can work from home once a week and then work your way into it? Is there a way I can be consultant? You guys can stop paying my taxes and insurance. I'll pay them on my own. That's how I started actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my next question was what was like your first it wasn't, so, gig or if you will? Uh, well, this isn't necessarily my first gig, but as far as consulting goes, I went to work uh, for the revenue gener- generating arm of a university and it, there was a hiring freeze because this is during that 2007, 2008, 2000, like, or even earlier, but whatever, crazy stuff was happening. 
there was a hiring freeze. It might have been early, maybe in 2005 or six. Whatever. Who cares? Nobody cares. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> that's for me. That's for me. <laughs> but they said, we want to hire you, but we can't because there's a hiring freeze. But the guy was so cool. He's like, but we can do it on these six-month contracts. See, most people would be scared to do that, right? Yeah. I was like, sounds like awesome to me. We'll do it on these six-month contracts. We can renew it if you're doing a good job. But you have to look like you're not an employee, which means I want you to get other clients. You do not have a desk in here. Interesting. You have to have your own cell phone, your own insurance, your own pay your own taxes. And I was like, this sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you willed it to happen. So yeah, right? So I was forced into that. And by getting other clients, so I ended up doing that every six months huh. uh, for three years. There was actually two other people that did it. I was the only one that ended up keep going. I don't know what happened to the other guys. Um, but it worked out. It helped me build a, a book of business of consulting and whatever else and dabble in all kinds of other things. So a lot of people say you have to be mm, like, what do they call it? They say, they say master of one master of none or, or they, or they, whatever, all those weird. Yeah. Yeah. What, no, that's not what if they you're say. Jack of all trades, you're a master of none or something. Jack of like all that. trades. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one that says <laughs> <laughs> if you're a master of one, you're a master of none. Because jack of all trades, and they're saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. What if that one thing goes away? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan of being a master of many. So while I'm building up one thing, I have something else that I'm working on too. And I don't think of it as like, oh, it's taking away time or it's this or that. I say I can't. It, it can't take away from this thing, but I do have excess time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you can't watch Netflix. Sure, you can. Just work while you're watching Netflix. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Do whatever. <laughs> it's all about efficiency, right? If, yeah. Like focused time and focused effort. Yeah. And, and for me, so you'll see the progression. When I wrote The Power of Starting Something Stupid, which is in like 10 different languages, got endorsed by cool people like Steve Forbes and Covey, Brene Brown, like they blew it up. Okay? Yeah. And people would call me with their stupid idea or reach out to me in some way with their stupid idea. Like opening a restaurant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Technically, it's a stupid idea. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. No, that's, yeah. a, that's a perfect example, though. And so then I would coach and consult them around it and, and whatever. But as I would talk to more people, I would learn that they had more needs. And w- w- there's there's one in specific, like mentally was, they would say, I want to start this thing. And then we would help them make their million dollars, whatever they had to do. But that wasn't the thing they actually wanted. They thought that thing they would do would get them something else, meaning... I want to start a business so I can be free and have time with my family and travel the world. Okay. So when they don't get that and they're busier than ever, right. you know, it's just like, well, hold on, let's, let's start over. Yeah. If the goal is to be free and have time with your family and travel, if, that's not everyone's goal, but if that is your goal, why don't we start there? Go on the road and we'll build a business model around it. So immediately your five-year, 10-year plan is realized in the now. Yeah. And then, but then there's other services I started providing because I realized coaching, consulting was cool, but I didn't have enough time. So I started doing online courses in specific niches, you know, everything from being a guest on podcasts to how to write a book to how to get a great idea, how to start a business, how to scale it. Like it started building things out for people. Then I realized people wanted (laughs) to make stuff. Like, Like if you said you wanted to build a restaurant, I wouldn't know how to make a restaurant, but I can consult on the concepts and how to do it. Yeah. But if you wanted to make like a new product or, or something I could, I could, cause if you back up when I was still in college and I had this idea to help people work their way out of poverty, I had started an idea. I pitched it in a business fund competition to create a fund to help students from other countries who wanted to go back to their home country, start businesses. The plan failed. They told me I didn't know what I was talking about and I was too young. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, I probably don't, but who cares, you know? <laughs> and and then one professor is like, look, there's this girl who won the business plan competition years earlier in Mongolia. You should start a business with her. So I did. So I started a cashmere company in Mongolia. I went there. There's no McDonald's anywhere in the country. Like it was wild. You know? <laughs> one of the coolest places and the nicest, wonderful people in the world. But that led into helping more people all over the Asia Pacific Rim starting businesses, which eventually turned into what I proposed, a center for entrepreneurship that is now up and running at BYU Hawaii. And now it has people in there that are running it full time and are paid a salary. And it's all just an idea. And if you don't know how to do it, you throw it out there. And they go, you need a mentor. Yeah, but if you throw it out there, you don't know how people like it. 
the mentors come to you. This is how magic happens. You know what I mean? So that's why now I'm making physical products, everything from really cool vlogging tools for, you know, camera people. We're making tons of yoga pants. It's bizarre. We, make, you know, we, we print tons of books, you know, we make tiny homes and pools and just all kinds of weird stuff. Wow. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I'm doing all these things, but in my head, it's all the same thing. You have an idea. Let's make it happen. I don't care what it is. That's awesome. Well, hence the name, just product. I mean, that yeah. covers it all. <laughs> you're doing it all. <laughs> right? Well, I think you're actually working with some friends of ours, Todd and Sudi Bullock. Barbecue people. Yeah. You guys are barbecue people. <laughs> I love barbecue, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I love them. No, they're they're amazing. Yes, we are working with them. Todd came and sang karaoke with me in China and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> oh, man. How much fun is Todd? Todd's He's the best. Guy. They're both the best. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> so how have you found... I want to get to how you started the book, but before you just said something about like finding a mentor. Sure. And I think a lot of people appreciate that, look for mentors, but I think they go about it the wrong way. Yes. Um, how have you, because you personally, a mentor showed up, right? With Stephen R. and Mark Covey. Mm-hmm. Um, when people ask you for advice on finding a mentor, like, like how do you help that process? It's difficult because... I learned this actually from Seth Godin. He said, sometimes, you know how they say it doesn't hurt to ask? Mm -hmm. I remember him saying this. He said something like, sometimes it does hurt to ask. Right? Like, I'm not saying don't ask. I'm just saying, like, be conscious, you know, of how you're asking. And so a lot of people will go, I need a mentor. And what they, they picture is some, like, Dumbledore man with a gray beard, like, right? You know what I mean? And he's going to walk around with a stick and, like, tell you what to do every once in a while, you know, put your head in water and show you the future or something, you know, you're, <laughs> I just watched that last night. I kid you not. I watched number six last night. Oh my gosh. So there's different kinds of mentors. I'll try and divide them into two. And I'm going to actually say it from the mentee, the person looking for a yeah. mentor's perspective. A lot of mentees are, they go around looking for a mentor. They're, they do it all wrong because they're looking for a quick transaction. Like ask, like, like buying bubble gum over the counter. You're like, this person's like a baller. Like, they've been working forever. People pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars to talk to them. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying you can't approach them. I'm saying you should. You should totally do it. But don't be a taker. Yeah. Don't ask to pick my brain. That's what zombies do. <laughs> Isn't that, and that's like the most common thing, right? Hey, I want to get together pick, and pick your brain. Hey, I know you get paid $10,000 to coach people, but can I take you out to lunch and... You tell me everything so I don't have to pay you. Oh, and by the way, I know you'll feel bad, so you'll pay the lunch anyways. <laughs> like this is this is an everyday occurrence. And people wonder why they can't find a mentor. <laughs> That's raw, right? It's super real. Yeah. And so it's actually the other way around. The mentee should be adding value to the mentor first. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a mentor that kind of dives in every once in a while and gives you ideas. Sure. But if you want someone who's actually going to bring you or go with you to the next thing, this is very different than just getting a cool idea or a soundbite. Because many mentors have written all their stuff down or or shared it somewhere. It's like, why aren't you reading that and doing that first, right? So when you have access to someone, instead of thinking, how can I get them to teach me and make me money? Think, what is something that they're doing that I could do that's in line with what they're doing that will help them. And this is complete opposite thinking. But if you look at anyone who has a real transfer, the opposite of transaction is transformational. Anyone that has a real transformational relationship with the mentor, that the mentee is the one teaching, coaching, helping, doing th- stuff for the mentor. Then the mentor goes, oh my gosh, thank you so much. What, what can I do to help you? This is the long game, right? Yeah. It, it takes a little bit of time. But it's the only thing that works. If you want it to, if you want it to be fast, you buy the things that they're selling. So I, I, I went to Seth Godin's four hundred dollar, maybe I can't remember how much it was, first publishing practicum back in two thousand eleven in New York. That's how I first got to know him. And now we keep in, you know, just not not anything crazy. I'm extremely respectful, but we share things every once in a while. So when you pay your way into stuff, or you have a way to be able to like acknowledge them and respect them and help them. That's how transformations happen. 
Does that make sense? Totally. So if someone was looking for a real mentor, you have to decide, is this a quick, I'm going to ask a question? Because if it is, recognize that and have it be that. Is this where we're going to be hanging out all the time and we're really going to do something crazy? Well, what will that look like? Because that's very different. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I, I could tell you a story over and over and over and over and over and over and over of mentors that I have that I served them. And it wasn't even like, what's it called? There was no hidden agenda. Yeah. I wasn't doing it so that one day they could just drop knowledge on me because it's not like that. It's not like that. Right. It's almost like, I'm just going to help them see what happens. That's what it's like. And so like if someone's wanting a mentor, but they can't think of a way to provide value for them because they may look at them and say, oh, they have everything or they're so much farther along. Is it just you're looking at the wrong person mm. or every, every, okay. Some people are like, I don't need a mentor. Right. And in, in a lot of ways you don't, you just need to do stuff. And I promise you, let's, let's look at the music industry for a second. All these old rock stars are coming and talking to Billie Eilish right now. She did not ask them to do that, to be their, her mentor. She's very grateful, but they're riding her coattails. This, you, you, you be yourself and you do your thing. Right. People want to work with you in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> how, did you, how did you come up with your idea to do a book, your first book, The Power of Doing or Starting? Yeah. St starting or Doing Something yeah, Stupid? Starting. starting Something Stupid. Uh, so... One time I was in a, I was putting on these conferences and one of the speakers, her name's Sherry Dew, she was speaking and she was promoting one of her books and she said, it was like a question, almost like a call to action. She said, how far will your influence go? This is the whole crowd. And it, just in my head, it was like, oh, you need to write a book. You know what I mean? Like that, you just need to share something. And this was, I mean, I was in my mid twenties when this happened and it took me like I think a six years later until the book actually came out, but that was when the seed was planted in my head. You know what I mean? And so that's, a, that's another side note. I'm, I'm planning on stuff. Stuff I'm doing in 2020 was stuff I did, I planned for in 2019. And on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Like whatever I'm planning for now is for 2021 and 2022. Because like, these things take time. At least, at least big things do. Yeah. You have to make money, so you do whatever you can. So... I mean, that's where it, it came and it evolved from like, should it be like a thing for teenagers on how to like, I don't know, be a leader or like, you know, whatever. And then eventually evolved into the power of starting something stupid. Writing a book is horrible. It is like, it is like, it is like one of the worst things you'll ever do in your entire life. It is brutal. Like you feel like your hands are bleeding and you know, you, you'll write it and then you'll be like, this is so good. And you know, I show it to my wife. She's like, what are you even saying? Like, this is, this makes no sense, you know? And so she, she'd rewrite it. She wrote it with me, right? She's the co-author on it, but it, it's, it's hard. But if you can get it out, it is like, it's one of those things you can point to and go that changed my life. Not only because I learned from it, because other people are learning from it. It's like a, the fanciest business card you could ever have. For sure. You know. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Fanciest business card you could ever have. Yeah. I have never thought of a book like that. <laughs> so, and it's wow. fantastic. If no one's, if you're listening and haven't read it, check it out. Just odds are I finished your book yesterday. Oh, no way. And Thanks, it is man. That's cool. Awesome. I'm really glad this worked out through this podcast too. Yeah. Th this is an example of like adding value to someone and like, here we are. Now we'll be BFFs, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like this, 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 you're living what we're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Very true. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Plus we have a place to sleep where we go surfing. Here you go. <laughs> 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 um, time's wrapping up. I want to make sure we spend some time on your latest project. Mm, it's yeah. been so awesome. There's yeah. so many things. So you just launched your own podcast yeah. last week, the Richie Norton show. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. Man. And it's been, it's been cool. I followed you for a little while, but really closely for the last couple of months on kind of what you're doing on social media and he stuff. He hasn't talked about you at all, <laughs> uh, at all, whenever he's yeah, in here. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool to see kind of how you built up the launch of the podcast and you created your podcast launch group. Um, yeah. Going back to your what you said about what you're doing now, you planned years ago. Yeah. Like how long has this podcast been in the works? That's a good question. So 
I've been on like as a guest, like over 400 different podcasts. Yeah. Like I just, I just have. Wow. And since 2011, I think. This is obviously your favorite. This is number one. 100%. <laughs> the 100th person to say that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And this might be only one or two, maybe three I've done with two you know, oh, co-hosts before too, which is pretty cool. You know, it's a super combined cool. weight of I and, mean, and for those that aren't six hundred pounds. Yeah, right? those who can't see, there's, there's a third dude in here too, and he's he's awesome. You know, yeah. he's creeping in the corner. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, in, he's like, I'm listening in. To be bathroom. <laughs> he's in the closet. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I was talking about anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did back when the no. podcast started. <laughs> no, so yeah, I had the idea. I was just, honestly, it was a couple of things. I was super scared of the technology because it can get complicated. It's easier now today than it was way back then, but still super scared of it. I also didn't want to get tied down. Like, I, oh, I have to do it every week. And I also was super scared of scheduling stuff. It's like, what if I have to schedule something a month from now and I'm not available again and I'm gonna make them feel bad? It was all the all these things, you know. These are my own insecurities. We get along great, right? <laughs> I mean, really. I, like, this is this is not gonna help me. So I focus on guesting, which is cool because if you want to reach a million people, it takes time. If you're a podcaster, yeah. but if I could be on ten big shows that have a hundred thousand person reach, I could hit a million people, quote unquote, overnight, yeah. right? Where did that or whatever. Come from the million people. It's just good numbers. I mean, that's but that's <laughs> what you were thinking about when you when you started the podcast idea. You're like, I got to reach a million people through podcasting. Um, when I when I first started podcasting, I didn't know what it was. I just saw that someone else was doing it. Like uh, they like did a blog post and they said I was on all these podcasts for pro- promote my book, and I was like, what's a podcast, <laughs> right? And so I started like tweeting these people that they did, and I say, hey, I'll send you a free copy of my book if I can be on. If, if I can't, no worries, like no big deal, like whatever. And a few reached out and said, yeah, and then I got on them, and they just so happened to be some bigger ones. But this is back in the day, still too, right? Yeah. And what's weird about podcasting, you you guys know this. It, once you're on one show, other podcasts are looking at guests on shows, and they go, oh, I should reach out. So I I'm I'm inundated with people asking me now it right. became like a this rollover thing you know it, that w- honestly wasn't intentional i'm gonna reach a million people that was actually me looking backwards oh, okay yeah it was actually looking backwards going whoa that's pretty cool anyways and so then i had i did do a podcast i, I mean i've been saying i'll do one maybe one day for maybe years like maybe one day maybe you know i'm not going to maybe one day but then last year uh, i had someone make me some artwork and I posted, I'm going to start a podcast. But I didn't say when. I said I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't t- commit yourself to anything. You know? And then fast forward a year later, like I was saying, I finally did. Yeah. But during that incubation period, I was learning and understanding and trying to figure out what would be, wh- how I could get rid of all those concerns that I had and how I could do this. And, you know, here we are. So one thing I like about your podcast is your format is different than any that I've actually seen. Yeah, I've never and, seen it before. And you call it the trilogy. I do. And <laughs> I love it. And it's something, it's funny, Brent and I have had discussions about like similar ideas and concepts on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then like he does like, oh yeah, that's how you, like that's how that idea in my head would actually work is how yeah. you've done it. So talk a little bit about how you structured it. So what I do is I do, it's three parts. I do an, an interview. I do what I call an aftercast. And then I do a solo cast. And the way it works is, when you do like a, a training or an online course, it usually has something like that. You do like a, a really cool, I don't know, study, share, interesting piece, and then you explain a little bit more on how to do it, and then a little bit more on how to do it. So this is the stuff people sell. And I thought, oh, I'll just do that for free, but using the topics of my guests, which helps them get more love, mm-hmm. helps me create more content, and helps the listener, if they choose, they don't have to do it, go deeper. So strategies in the head, tactics are in the hands. That's a thing, right? So I'll do the interview with the person, which is will be great. And then I'll say, okay, here's what I learned in that. Here's how I'm applying it. Here's how you might consider applying it too. That's what I call the aftercast. And then the solo cast is me just kind of riffing on the topic about my own specific content method strategies based on what I know my listeners really do need and want so they can just run with it. That's awesome. And so you take one concept and you've now just kind of gone deeper and deeper and deeper. And like you said, that's what a lot of people 
create their businesses around with like online coaching models, right? And you're just like, I'm going to, yes, I'm going <laughs> to give you guys all of this stuff for yes. free via the podcast. You know, and I went back and forth, like, should I do that at all? Will people even listen to it? People even want to listen to me talking about myself, right? You know, I don't know. And then also, when do I release them? Like, what, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something? And finally, I was just like, oh, I don't know. I was talking to somebody. He's like, no, man, just have them binge it like you know like like netflix or whatever. i'm like yeah if you want to move on you might as well just listen to it right so i just dropped them all on, this, uh, on tuesday all three and you know if you listen to it you listen to it if you don't you don't whatever wow. <laughs> it's there for you do you record all of them pretty close together or do you take a day to kind of chew on it and then that's a good question it depends but right. what i try to do is i'll do the interview take a breather and if, if, if it's really a, like a cool day and I have some time, I will then do, yes, the aftercast and the solo cast. But sometimes I, I will wait a little longer, listen to it again. You know what I mean? And then, and then, right. yeah. Wow. And you've had some cool guests already you've released and you've talked about kind of who's coming. Yeah, man. How have you, how have you decided on the guests? I mean, are you, are you trying to pick topics that that guest is going to talk about or is it more this is a really cool person that i think everyone's so, just going to enjoy when i was uh also when i was a, a teenager i was in a punk rock band and i yeah i was a guitar singer guy yes. and i uh, uh we actually got offered a five-year contract and I'm, you know this is southern california this is when like it was the whole garage band was a thing you know and but i ended up you know going on a mission and all these kinds of things but so i think of the podcast in seasons, to me, I think of it as an album. So okay. I, I'm thinking of 12 songs and where they're going to fit to make the greatest like experience or flow. So I needed to have a good mix of different people, but on certain topics so that I think somehow they build on top of each other, at least loosely. Yeah. You're a awesome. crazy brand, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's awesome. It's crazy that that's just like a simple, normal thought for him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I would love to spend you a guys, few minutes in there. You guys are so <laughs> like, funny. Like, if I take you guys out to lunch, <laughs> yeah. could I... Uh, <laughs> you, you've earned your lunch. <laughs> Can I pick your brain? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Should I spend some time in your brain? You guys are so funny. Oh, man, the album thing is really cool. I mean, who would ever think like that? Such a cool so you'll comparison. See I, I start off with my own like intro, but I didn't call it an intro because I didn't want it to be an intro. I wanted it to be, it's an actual podcast it's and, it's, love. and it's good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I have to have that to lead up to who I am and what I'm doing and why you should care. Yeah. But also who cares about what do I care? So it has to have good content, yeah. right? I bet a lot of people care about it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm going to care more now. Thank you. Holy crap. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, and then I came in with, um, a lot of these are relationships I've cultivated over time. So it's not just like some crazy person I asked nowhere or, or I'd ask maybe someone for a referral, you know, I'm playing the game like we've been talking about, Uh, you know, but I got Gretchen Rubin on, on happiness. She's the guru on happiness. I got Covey on trust. Right. And then, you know, I said, um, how to make money as an artist being like a creative and things like that with Jeff Goings. Like to me, those actually fit together. Like the purpose of being oh, first sure. all the way back with Gavin's law, the ha- purpose of being happy, you know, and then having trusting how this whole situation works and then how to make money actually doing these things. Like I know I'm thinking like that and other right. people aren't, but I'm hoping subconsciously if they go in order now they can go back, they can do it, you know, right. you know, separately, they're all evergreen, but I'm hoping that it'll somehow take them through a process. Need a love song. We need like a marriage counselor, <laughs> yeah. right? Like a therapist of some kind. That's true. Teach you have you know more spark in your marriage. That's true, man. A ballad. That'll be the ballad. That's cool. What has been the thing you've that kind of surprised you about the podcast? Whether something you learned that you weren't expecting to learn, or something that was harder than you thought it was going to be. It's easier than I thought. Okay. Okay, but that's because I've been asking a lot of people and asking for help. You know what I mean? So yeah. to kind of cut through all the noise, but. I've also been super surprised that people actually listen to it. Like, <laughs> I know that might sound strange because you guys are podcasters, but like when you make a video that's an hour long, nobody watches it. <laughs> yep. And I had someone message me, hey, one of my solo casts on how to trust yourself is 15 minutes long. And she, she messages on Facebook. It, it might've been like, to, I don't, whatever. She says, I know it was only 15 minutes long, but I was taking notes and I listened to it twice. And I was like, what? Who does that? <laughs> right? Because it's, it's a different format. So 15 minutes is short. Yeah. Very short. Super short for podcasting, but extremely long yeah. for Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Yeah. Extreme, like 
crazy. Like you would never do that on Instagram. Like yeah. whatever the max is on IGTV, there's no way you're watching that whole thing. For yeah. Sure. So different. It's also interesting because my thought people would be listening to it while they're doing something else, but she's taking notes, which means she's not doing something else. This is this is interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. And you wonder if they would listen to it or take notes if it was a video. 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. You know, like that's interesting because I always am doing something else when I listen to a podcast, yeah. but I'm doing things that take Same. zero. It's like prepping no. meat this morning. Exactly. I don't have control. to think about exactly. that. Of course. Of course. And so it's a perfect time to do it. But yeah. No, but I mean, it, it is a rare platform that is working, right? Yeah. And it's awesome. Well, People you kind of look at it like the quick version, you know, if YouTube, if a YouTube video is to a movie, right? The podcast would be to an audio book. Yes. Right? Yes. Short audio books could be. Totally. So I think an hour or less is probably pretty normal. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like it's too long, but because yeah. we all do things, you know, drive somewhere or whatever. But, but the note taking thing is interesting. Yeah. It's like if you almost did like the solo cast part, like if we did ours an hour, but then did the 15 minute you know, cliff notes, right? Where you yep. can kind of get the bulk of it. Totally. That is somewhere where somebody could actually. Well, and it's really heavy. Like that's where the learning is done. Like sure. the interview is yeah. kind of, it's good. It's entertaining. It's fun. Yes. And then the other stuff yeah. is almost where the learning's happening. The other thing that happened, this is no one would know this, but I'll, I'll share it with you is I started realizing people were downloading, downloading my, cause I do the, I'll release it interview after you got solo cast or downloading the solo cast most. Now I, I was wise in making sure they were evergreen. So you didn't have to listen to them all to make it, have it make sense. Yeah. When you say evergreen, evergreen, I mean, it can live alone by itself as okay. if it's just, you don't need all three to make it make high sense. School. Welcome yeah, yeah, to the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world. No, you're okay. good. You're good. You're good. Uh, no, it is. It's, it I is thought a, that was a tree. It's a weird but, term. Okay. <laughs> it is a tree. <laughs> no, no. But they're, they're downloading the solo cast the most, which is like flattering, but has nothing to do with me. It's because it's the last one that pops up on, on Apple. It's the first one they see. Huh. Do you think it's that or do you think it's because it's shortest? I think you're humble. Maybe it's, I think it maybe. has to do with you more than you <laughs> think. Okay. I'm guessing, right? I don't really know. Maybe it's shortest. Uh, maybe I'm being humble. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's what it but, is. But like, but honestly, like if, that, if that's the first one you see, won't that be the first one you click? I don't know. No. I, I really don't know. No. You don't think so? No, because just I've been with you for 40 minutes and I would love <laughs> to take, let's say we take the topic of happiness, yeah. run it through Richie's brain, and yeah. then see what comes out on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be interesting well, to nice me. Of you. you know what I mean? <laughs> that's sure. nice of you. Because <laughs> just is. the way you yeah. view the world and mm-hmm. kind of like it would. It's that's why I think your podcast will be so. I just subscribed, by the way. I Thank haven't listened you. to it, it means, yet. Means the world. But <laughs> to have these people come on and give you a new topic, like you're getting material every week. Yeah, that you get to kind of do the Norton treatment too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then kind of hear what what happens, and in a in a small right, you know, fifteen minutes. That's so nice yeah, that you. doesn't surprise me. I would go. Yeah. I mean, maybe going backwards could, would you, be interesting you could, too. It actually is. Sometimes all like I so one time I clicked on it, it started going backwards for me, and I was like, that's so weird, but that's cool, you know. Yeah. And it, but yeah, it 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 works. It actually works. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. We're gonna have to copy some of this. We'll send him barbecue or something like so we can add value to his life. Done. And so, a yeti for his road trip. There you go. That was a question. Do you do you expect hope people kind of follow? Like, do you want it to like be a trendsetter? Or are you hoping this is kind of your model, like the trilogy model, or does it even have you thought about? Oh, that? I don't. I don't. I mean. I'm happy that I created it and it's working. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, you guys can use it. Anybody can use it. I mean, what? what I don't think I can stop it. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Well, and it's just an ode to cool. you, right? I yeah. mean, it, it is. It's, it's yeah. kind of setting a trend and being creative. And I mean, that's the thing. We always give credit where credit is due. But totally. I mean, it is a very cool way of yeah of processing the information. It and is. so people can chunk it down too, and they go, "Oh, this one's an hour, and this one's only." 20 and this one's only 15 and right. they, they will listen to all three because it doesn't take that much longer yeah you know but they, they're separated so your brain can almost like refresh for a second yeah. you know and then go in you need to make like a, a digital download right yeah but package it in like a vinyl cover like a record some <laughs> and sign it no yeah right like, no yeah. someone messaged me about doing that i was like Dude, was it you guys no, <laughs> it, would be, it would be awesome like to buy that. the album yeah. right yeah it'd be so cool big fans of you would 
totally I, do that. I think it's going to happen. I think it's a like, great that idea. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be Especially really if cool. you added like, it's kind of like Garth Brooks does at Christmas. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's like adds one song that you yeah. can't get anywhere else. Is your favorite song, I, I Got Friends in Low Places. Dude, that's song, one of them. Dude, so I sing Rodeo. to my kids. Rodeo is my favorite one. <laughs> I sing Friends in Low Places, like all four of my kids up yeah. till they were like two when I put them to bed. It's horrible songs, right? <laughs> the drunk guy walking into the party. <laughs> and then Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up is the other one. But Papa Loves Mama is the number one song, which is about a guy murdering his cheating wife. But that's their lullaby, and all my kids can sing it. Wow. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they grow up. Yeah, it's for real. <laughs> it's exciting. They're like, I just got my CDL, Dad. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to drive a semi into a hotel. That's awesome. Oh, well, gosh. wrapping up, Richie, Thank you for making some time. I know you're an a honor. busy, busy man. Thank so you. just as a reminder, where can everybody find you? Where do you want people going? Yeah, just go to richynorton.com, richynorton.com slash blog. My son lived for 76 days. So I have a thing called the 76-day challenge where I help people like walk through step-by-step going from an idea, take a, basically taking a stupid idea and turning it into their smart reality. I like to say stupid is the new smart, right? So how we can make that happen. And then, you know, anywhere, my podcast should be anywhere uh, that you can find podcasts. Yeah, I popped you know? right up on Apple. Yeah, Apple, so, got Google, but got man, Spotify. Just, just with my floating attention span, Yes, going through your website, there yeah. is so much yeah. that we could have talked about. Oh, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of content. Like just reading little paragraphs, I'm like, wait, what? Like, if you think that, that these really like tough things that happen to Richie, if you think that's the end of the tough oh, things. Oh my that's like, like the top of the iceberg, oh, right? Oh, dude. You guys are so and it's so, you can really tell why uh, you are the way that you are. Uh, I mean, yeah. it built, it, it really all, the hard things can shape us into something great or mm-hmm. like you said, they can create a cave. Totally. Yeah, and you've totally. obviously you know, done it the tunnel way and, and man, I bet you have helped so many more people than you know. Thanks brother. I appreciate that. And my last thing I'll say, just kind of the last plug for Richie is you are who you say you are. And that's been the most fun of the podcast is you get to know people on like a more personal level. And sometimes they always say like, you never want to meet your heroes or your idols because you're going to be disappointed. Right. Especially when they're on vacation. (laughs) And and, and now you're super disappointed. (laughs) No, but like you are who you are. Like all these things you talk about, like you've got so much free content just to provide as much value as you can. And like open book, literally I messaged Richie on Instagram last night at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And was like, dude, we need to do a podcast. And he was like, I am booked all day yeah. but i have this little tiny window can we make it work yeah. and, and you have no idea how desperate we were like <laughs> we our person had <laughs> just our person had just backed out okay. and he was stressing out like mm-hmm. i'm more of the free flowing one yeah totally and midnight and this guy goes to sleep like an old man like it's like 10 o'clock i'm, I'm normally asleep by 9 30 i 10. was asleep i wake up at 3 30 this morning to come in to do barbecue wow, and wow, there's wow. a text from andrew at midnight like <gasps> <"Guess what?" laughs> i love you guys no, you're amazing. So, Richie, you are cool. the man. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Everyone, check him out. Read his book, podcast. Just pay attention to this guy, and you're going to be better for it. So, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on, oh, Richie. You guys are awesome.